welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Landon Jones. As we've come to learn, both humans and artificial intelligence have their limitations. The big difference is that compared to humans, it takes AI significantly less time to unlearn and correct for patterns and behaviors that are potentially discriminatory. Here to talk to us about how AI can be used to combat unconscious biases is Ben Taylor, Chief AI Officer and Co-Founder of Ziff. How are you today, Ben? Good. How are you doing, Landon? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for joining us uh, for your second time. Yeah, happy to be here. I think the first question that I have for you um, is kind of a broad overview question, but I'm just wondering what types of things can facial recognition AI software be used for today? It can be used for a lot of things, and some of the things might be surprising. So the basic ones we've seen are gender, age, race, identification, country of origin. But the ones that are more surprising are we see hints that it looks like you can predict disease from a face. So um, liver function, heart function, um, kidney function potentially, and then there's a rare growth hormone uh, defect. Uh, it's the, I forgot the name of it, but it's what killed Andre the Giant, uh, the guy in Princess Bride. You can potentially get all of that out of a face. And we've also shown that we can predict genetic haplogroups from a face as well. I think the most negative example to bring up in China, they, they use this to look through their citizens and potentially catch criminals uh, but they could also catch social citizens that are maybe being disruptive. So it's kind of a big brother to the extreme of where they're doing that. And I know they're starting to look at using this at uh, baseball, football, sporting events here in the U.S. where you can do, you can scan people for convicted fel- felons or people who are need to be arrested or who are dangerous. Those would be applications from the law enforcement side. We're also seeing applications in marketing where they want to understand the user. So they want to understand what is the age, what is the gender, what's the demographic of my customer so they can market into those groups better. Before we started recording, you shared with me an article that discussed um, some research done by Joy Bulanwini when she was a student at MIT. And... Basically, what she found, to summarize for our listeners, was that a lot of leading AI uh, software developing companies were producing applications that had difficulty detecting the faces of people of color, but particularly women of color. I was wondering if this is something that you have seen as an ongoing problem in the industry, and if there are any steps being taken to right this wrong. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. So anytime you're building up any type of model like this, you need to be aware of minority representations because what what happened, these companies like IBM and Microsoft, they didn't have enough examples of um, uh, of a black female in their training set. And so we actually did a post where we showed by increasing the number of minorities, we were able to get higher predictions where our predictions for gender for a black female were even higher than the white male. 
So we reversed it completely on gender and race just by having a better training set. And that's definitely something you need to be aware of when, if you're doing anything with faces where you're going to be predicting outcomes, you want, you want to make sure you have minority representation in the training data. Do you know of any examples where AI has been used maliciously with the purpose of discrimination? Yeah, AI can be malicious. Uh, so examples of that are beauty.ai. So the first AI beauty contest, it was racist. So for the, the beauty outcomes, uh, the top 50 most attractive women, out of 50, one of them was had dark skin. So 49 were white. And so the computer was intentionally downgrading someone's attraction if they had dark skin. So that's an example of something that seems a lot more malicious. This bias is coming from the training set. The other one is the Tay.ai Twitter bot from Microsoft. So that Twitter bot interacted with people in real time and was learning from Twitter interactions. And within 48 hours, it started tweeting out racist and uh you know, almost Hitler level tweets talking about genocide. And that was learned from human engagement. So we do have examples where AI can do something very bad, but it's always coming from the human training. Is that same human unconscious bias uh, the root cause of the issues that Joy found in her research? The lack of representation within coding or software communities, is that sort of the same issue? So what Joy found, I would call that an, an oversight where someone built a training set and they pushed it into production. And it wasn't that they were really introducing their personal bias. They just, it was an oversight that could have been pre prevented. Unconscious bias would be, we see this happen a lot with screening. If you're screening talent where you're bringing a lot of your unconscious bias, which could be your upbringing, your family, your religion, whatever it is, where you might have a stereotype and you might not, you're more likely to select someone similar to yourself based on race and gender, but also similar on background, hobbies and interests and education. And we see with unconscious bias that we don't know, most of us are not trying to be malicious. We don't know we're doing it, but every single human period has this unconscious bias. So I, I, I call it a, a virus that we all carry. So unfortunately we can't cure it. We can raise awareness, but when it comes to anyone making a hiring decision at, at, with volume, they're going to have an unconscious bias towards some minority group or some race age minority combination. And with AI that can, there's ways with AI where we can eliminate that completely. We can actually cancel that out and prevent the AI from learning that. Uh, if you're being naive with your approach, you can create a racist model or a sexist model from your training set. When someone mentions an example like this with a protected class, I actually want to predict them because by predicting race, gender, sexual orientation, or age, I can use that information to protect them because you can actually train other models on selection, performance, loan approval, whatever insurance quotes, whatever you want to do, you can use those models to protect you from 
allowing a bias to creep through into production. So you're saying that it is important when you are utilizing AI software to understand these potentially negative consequences and actively work to fix them. Yeah. And I I would take it a step further where I'm convinced that the only way to fix bias is with AI. So it's not really disagreeing with Joy. It's just focusing the topic that, yeah, AI can create issues where it can potentially introduce a bias because something that should be supported is not supported, like the face facial recognition. But I've seen the other side of HR with recruiting, where I know the human, the humans bring a lot of unconscious bias. And so I think it's critical that AI is implemented, but it's implemented correctly to fix the human bias. Active adverse impact mitigation, where you're actively trying to block bias transfer with AI, it's, it's pretty new. And to do that well, you need to be able to predict a gender or a race. So the simple approach would be, let's say we're only concerned about gender and we're looking at resumes. So I'm consuming the resume. Some people are named Benjamin. Some people are named Sally. If I just allow the AI to do whatever it wants, it might latch onto the name and it might allow me to transfer that that gender bias into production where anyone named Sally does not get hired or anyone named Benjamin is a yes. And to prevent that from happening, I need a way to predict gender from everyone coming through the system. And so if I can predict that this person is a man or a woman, that allows me, um, this is getting a little bit more complicated for a podcast to really comprehend, but essentially what it allows me to do is it allows me to fix my downstream resume model or my downstream AI to prevent it from learning features that could be polarizing against gender, like a name. So the downstream AI will essentially learn that it needs to throw the name away. But all of this is automated. It wasn't me getting into the resume, figuring out how to parse the name and throwing it away. The AI will not, will learn automatically that it needs to throw away the name, it needs to throw away the fraternity, because from the fraternity name, I can infer gender It'll learn all of that automatically. But to do that, you actually have to train multiple models, one model for gender and then one model for whatever you want to do downstream. Some companies who are moving into automation and AI may not realize that they could be exposing themselves to an increase in liability where by bringing in AI into the review or the screening process, they could be amplifying a bias there or by having something in their product that could potentially discriminate against a minority group or a race group that could expose them to negative PR impact or illegal liability. In the U.S., we have the U.S. is one of the most proactive countries when it comes to race uh, protection laws, race and gender protected class protection laws. So in the U.S., you could actually have a class action lawsuit filed against you, which uh, I wouldn't say AI necessarily caused it, but AI could amplify a negative effect that 
exists in your organization already. If I'm doing talent screening, I need to have really good accountability on uh, the, the types of errors that you're expecting to get, what your tolerances are. So that, that's kind of a whole other thing to think about when you actually start to depend on automation. You need some types of automated checks so you can constantly quality check the data that's throwing, flowing through your model. It's pretty complicated, but it's also a, a, a nice way to block bias in AI. So these, this is a good example of how to implement this stuff. These other examples with beauty.ai, they did not do that. And what do you see in the near or distant future for potential uses of this type of software? I think with the facial recognition stuff in the future, there's going to be some strange conversations around ethics because once I have your face in the system, there are good and bad things that can be done with that. So a, a bad thing would be I could potentially select against you because I know that you're sick or I know that you, I, I know more about your kidneys than you do because you haven't visited your nephrologist and I'm going to decide to not hire you because of that information. That's maybe the negative side. You could have new, and then also the beauty would be another example. Uh, we already know that the more attractive you are, the more likely you are to get a job. We, I, I produce data that proves that, but people have all already known that. And so that's an example of people behaving badly where they could use this type of stuff to accelerate bad behavior for their business. Uh, and then from the good side, there's some really fascinating technologies that we'll see in the market in the next three to five years. So imagine a smart mirror. So I have a mirror at my house in the morning. I wake up, take a shower, brush my teeth. And my mirror is doing all of these health checks on me in real time without seeing a physician. So if I need to see a nephrologist, if I have some liver functionality, if I'm getting this growth hormone defect, which is a one in a million occurrence, the average time for a doctor to diagnose that disease is five years. Something like that could be a huge win for everyone in society because how great would that be to have a constant health assessment? Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com backslash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Landon Jones. Until next time.